In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation this morning. And it's great to be with all of you. And as always, we like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, when we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to pray with us and to be with us as we enter into this new week. Let's pray that prayer that Mary loves most, and it's the Hail Mary. So, together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director, what a privilege, is the Holy Spirit himself. Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles. Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He's also named in the Catechism of the Catholic Church as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of our soul. And the Holy Spirit is our counselor as well as our consoler. If that were not enough, the Holy Spirit He's also our interior master, if you like, our teacher. St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, that we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with ineffable groans. So we can say, Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us. As we pray the classical prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, 
Grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, Amen. Our Lady Mother of Good Counsel, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. Saint Monica, pray for us. Saint Augustine, <coughs> pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Francis Xavier, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, Pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. So my friends, the family that prays together stays together. A world at prayer is a world at peace. So to encourage you all the more, as is my custom, I promise to pray for all of you. I'd like to pray for all of you in the in the in the greatest of all prayers. And that prayer is the holy sacrifice of the mass. So this evening I'll place all of you and your intentions on the altar of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Now I'd like to offer several intentions. And the first intention will be I'd like to pray that all of us in our Perseverance family, we would try today to be open to the workings of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we could say this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Our sanctification depends upon our docility to the Holy Spirit. The next 
intention will be I'd like to pray for all of our family and family members for their conversion for their sanctification as well as for their salvation. I'd like to pray for your family members that they would open themselves to the infinite mercy and love of God. And Jesus said this very clearly. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul in the process? And finally, I'd like to pray with you for those who will be dying today. Especially deathbed sinners. There are many people that will be dying today and they're really not prepared. They're really not prepared. So let's pray for them. As well as let's pray for ourselves that we would be prepared for the day, the hour, the moment that the Lord decides to take away our own lives. That the Lord will not be our judge, but He will be our Redeemer. We'll pray for that intention. Well, my friends, as always, we've got a lot to cover today. I'd like to start off with a very important question related to the gospel. Related to the gospel yesterday. And it's this. Jesus asked this question. Who is he? Who is he? Very important question. And I'd like to pose that question to all of us uh, today. Who is Jesus for you? Now, when Jesus asked this question to his apostles, the response was, many people say you're John the Baptist who's returned to life. Others that you're Jeremiah. Another that you're one of the great prophets of the old who has returned. So these were popular opinions that were false. They were erroneous. And then Jesus asked the apostles, well, who, do, who do you say that I am? And Peter raises his voice and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, Blessed are you, 
Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. Therefore I call you Rock Petra. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. What you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Sophie says that Jesus is my best friend. Beautiful. There are many different titles that we can give for Christ and what Sophie has, has posted for us has always been one of, for many, for a long time, that's, always, that's been also one of my favorite titles, that Jesus is my, my best friend. Spanish, el amigo que nunca falla. My best friend. Among the many titles that I like, Jesus, my best friend, Jesus, the good shepherd, I like very much too. Now, like Jesus also as the divine physician, Allah as well as the master and teacher, Also, the bread of life. All of these are different titles that we can give for Christ. It's the same person, but different dimensions. It's like taking a huge diamond in your hand and exposing that diamond to the sunlight. And the process of refraction works in such a way that you've got like a rainbow of colors that are emanating from that diamond. So Christ is a beautiful diamond in our life and there are different colors or shades of beauty of the person of Christ as well as his mother Mary. So I thought I would just throw that Christological question to all of you as we start off this week. Next, I'd like to ask all of you to pray and invite you. Last week, in Spanish, we had a wonderful course which we took a, a book from the Bible, a letter from the Bible, and it was the letter of St. James. And <coughs> we took that letter And we study this letter together. So a good group of people came in and we gave them one chapter at a time. And I was able to explain these wonderful five chapters of the letter of St. James which can be found after the, the book of Hebrews and before the letters of Peter so it's couched in between Hebrews and the two letters of St. Peter 
So I'm looking forward to tonight and ask for your prayers that this new course will be very successful. And we're calling it a mini-retreat. We're inviting the people to maintain a spirit of recollection during these days. Entering into retreat with the Lord. All right. Now, my friends, uh, an overview of what we're going to be talking about today. We're moving in the readings of the day from the Old Testament, the book of Judges, and then Ruth. Now we're moving into the New Testament, and we're going to be reading and meditating of St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. The Gospel today, Jesus continues rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes for their hypocrisy. For the hypocrisy. And we, all, we also have to be danger. We have to be careful not to be hypocrites ourselves. Hypocrite is someone who says something with his lips, but then he does something different with his life. We have to be true to the words we profess with our lips. That it's reflected by our lifestyle. Not to be living a, a double life. So, those are the readings. But, I think it's very opportune, advantageous for us that we talk about the saint we celebrate today. And the saint we celebrate today is related to the saint that we celebrate we celebrate the day before. And we have a unique juxtaposition in the church year because we have the celebration of two related people, mother and son. Mother and son. Yesterday was Sunday, but it would have been the the memorial of the great Saint Monica. And then following Saint Monica, we celebrate today the we celebrate the feast day of Saint Augustine. And if it were not for the person and the prayers and the perseverance of St. Monica, we wouldn't have St. Augustine. Yesterday I was listening to a, uh, a sermon by a Protestant pastor and he was talking about the importance of persevering in prayer. And this Protestant pastor gave a good acronym. He was preaching with a lot of fire and enthusiasm, and that really impressed me, how enthusiastic and fiery and 
fervent this Protestant pastor was. And he gave this and he gave this acronym. Perhaps Carmen can post this for us on our, on our screen. It's PUSH. P-U-S-H. PUSH. Related to prayer and perseverance. And the pastor said PUSH means this. P is for prayer. U until. S something. H happens. You like that? It's pretty... It's very unique, isn't it? So, push. P-U-S-H. P. Pray. U. Until. S. Something. H. Happens. I really... really thought that was, That's kind of catchy. And I thought, how, how much related that is to, how much related that is to St. Monica? Because St. Monica, she was kind of pushing. She prayed, she, she didn't give up until S something happens, and what happened is Her son was converted. And I think we have to do that too. Our problem is that we're, we're sometimes just too impatient. We want things to happen overnight. But that's not the way God works. God, God has His time and His clock. I think that we have what's called a, a microwave spirituality in which we want to, like we put something in the microwave for two minutes and then it's ready. That's not the, that's not the way it, it always works. Just beg God that we would be able to push, to pray until something happens. We all have some person in our family life that we have to push a little bit. But allow God to do the pushing. Allow God to do the pushing. So really to understand the con conversion and the life of St. Augustine, we have to understand the person of St. Monica. She was born <coughs> in the year 322 and died 387 in North Africa, Algeria. And she's really the patron saint of many of us, uh, of parents and mothers. How many mothers today don't have problems? You all have problems. You all have problems. I think we have to imitate St. Monica to resolve our problems in the way that she was able to resolve her problems by push, pray, until something happens. 
I like that. Don't you? I'd like to just uh, tell you one or two episodes in her life, and then we'll move to her son, St. Augustine. St. Monica was brought up in a um, in a um, Catholic family. Her aunt was instrumental in instilling in her Christian values. But I'd like to, uh, there's something that happened in her life that we can actually read in the in the Confessions of St. Augustine. That's impressive. When she was a child, she was surrounded by servants. And basically the, the, the Romans had, they had colonies all over the world and there in, in Africa too. So one of her responsibilities was to go down to the wine cellar and bring up the wine that would be used for the 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 dinner table. So she went down and she was by herself and while she was taking the wine while she was taking the wine She started to drink a little bit. And then when she went down, she started to take a little bit more, then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. So Monica, as a little child, I'm not not sure exactly what age she was, but she was a, a child or, yeah, possibly a child or a teenager. She was getting formed in the habit of becoming an alcoholic. So one day God intervened in this way. In this way. She had a quarrel with one of the servants. And the servant rebuked her saying, Well, you're you're turning into a drunk. You're drinking that wine down the cellar. And Monica thought that no one had seen her, but apparently the servant had had seen her do this at least once or once or more. Now, think about this: Monica would be considered superior to the servants of the house. What would you have done? What would you have done? Now, possibly, if if your pride were to have gotten the best of you, then you could have become angry at the servant and rebuked her sharply and maybe reported her. If pride, if pride were to have gotten the best, the best of you. But Monica, it's interesting. Monica took that sharp rebuke 
with great humility. And from that moment on, she didn't drink anymore. See how See how God works. This is called divine intervention. This is called divine providence. Nothing happens by chance. So we might even stop and ask ourselves, when we are corrected by someone, when you're corrected by someone, when I'm corrected by someone, how do we take it? Do we become defensive or offensive or, or do we humbly accept it? We all have to be corrected. Only God is perfect. And it's true, it is a fascinating story, but it shows the, the nobility of the character of Monica even when she's, she's smaller. Great story. So, Monica eventually marries, and here we have something very pertinent to what's going on in the modern world. Monica marries. A man who was a really lousy, a, a, a lousy man in all respects. His name was Patricius. So here we have presented what's happening today. Here we have a typical dysfunctional family. Even though we're talking about Monica lived from 322 to 387, Augustine from 354 to 430, we're talking about a good 1600 years ago, but it's very applicable to what's going on today in our modern society. So she marries this man, he's just a, he's a bum. He's a louse. And he's got three major character faults. Number one is Monica left drinking where whereas her husband was he was a drunk. He did work pretty hard, but he was a drunk. Second is that he was a womanizer. And third, he had a very short fuse, very violent temper. Very violent temper. Now let me tell you another characteristic of Monica. Now, when she's married with her husband. 
Monica was a very friendly person. She had a lot of women friends. They would come to her sometimes with a black eye or with a cut or a, bru a bruise. And the reason being is that they would try to correct their, their husbands when they were drunk or angry and their husband would lay into them. Whereas Monica would never do that. When her husband was in a bad mood or drunk, she would just back off in silence and most likely just pray for him. And I think there's another, I think there's another lesson there for us. The lives of the saints can teach us so much. And I think this is a lesson. When we're with someone, perhaps our husband or our mother-in-law or relative, it could be anyone, that is in a very bad mood or maybe even, even drunk <coughs> or maybe, maybe tired and frustrated, it's not the time, it's not the time to rebuke that person sharply, to correct the person sharply. It's not the time. And as uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there's a time for everything underneath the sun. So Monica was instrumental in helping her friends in dealing with difficult husbands. All right. So let's move from Saint Monica to Saint Augustine because in all honesty and Lulu has praised Monica and Saint Rita they're very similar they both had difficult husbands to understand the person and the conversion of St. Augustine, we have to have the background of St. Monica. That's why the church places the feast day of St. Augustine, August 20th, I'm sorry, St. Monica, August 27th, and the following day is the feast day of St. Augustine, August 28th, one juxtaposed with the other. Now, Augustine, this has to be said off the bat. Even though he's going to be plunging in to a, a life of sinful pleasure for quite a few years, It cannot be it cannot be denied that Augustine was endowed or, or gifted with a with a very very keen intellect. We can't deny it. He he was brilliant. He was a genius. Endowed with a very keen intellect. 
But of course, part of his life he did not utilize it as he should have. Now, another thing has to be said about the importance of the family is that Augustine, his father did not give him good example. There's another message for us. The concept of the dropout dad, the concept of the absent father. I once heard a story um, on uh, the program Focus on the Family with Dr. James Dobson. And he told this about the, the, the uh, importance of the father figure in the family. He said that it was May and Mother's Day and those who were in jail were offered the possibility to send their mothers a Mother Day card. So they couldn't get enough cards to give to the prisoners to send a Mother's Day card for them. That was in May. The month of June, Father's Day. None of the prisoners were, was interested in sending their father a Father's Day card. Why do you think? What do you think the reason why there was there was not enough cards for Mother's Day, but for Father's Day, the prisoners could care less is because the fathers really could care less for those sons. The fathers were not present very often physically, but also very often emotionally. Very important point. So the absence of the father in the lives of children growing up And very often there has to be some type of substitute or replacement father image for children that do not have the presence of their father. But one of the reasons why we have Augustine this way is because his father encouraged him just to, just to follow his own passions. So Augustine is growing up and <coughs> his passions kick in. And the father does not help him to control his passions, but just to give in to his passions. So the father was doing the same thing. He was not even faithful to Monica. So what happens is Augustine is growing up and um, he falls into sin. And I'd like to tell you a couple of stories in the life of St. Augustine. This you can read, my friends. Perhaps Carmen can just write down this uh, word on the screen. Confessions of St. Augustine. 
Confessions of St. Augustine. This is the first autobiography written. And it's a classic. So in Confessions, thank you, Carmen. In Confessions, There's a chapter, a whole chapter on Augustine surrounded by <coughs> surrounded by bad friends. And there's another point for your your mothers to reflect upon. Saint Paul says bad company corrupts morals. So Augustine is brilliant. But he's mischievous. He's surrounded by friends. On one occasion, they're walking through an orchard where there are fruit trees, specifically a pear tree. And One of the boys there in the group says, why not why not just uh, steal some of the pears? The owner is not here. He's not going to see us. So the boys, they, they pluck the pears from the pear tree. And it's a wonderful passage on conscience because later on, Augustine is going to be writing confessions and he's going to be pointing out he knew that this was wrong. He knew that this was wrong, but because of peer pressure, and as St. Paul says, bad company corrupts morals. Peer pressure and bad company corrupts morals. He, he knew he should not do it, but he did it anyway. By the influence of the bad company and the peer pressure. Then he points out that he took a bite of the pear, and it's like it was bitter even in his mouth, and he threw it to the pigs. In the Confessions of St. Augustine, there's a whole chapter on that one episode. So you can even reflect and meditate upon that. Do you allow your children to associate with bad companions? And as Paul says, bad company corrupts morals. There's a phrase in Spanish, Dimi con quien anda te digo quien eres. We have in English birds of the <coughs> birds of the feather flock together. But moving deeper into the life of Augustine, he gave in to the sins of the flesh. That was his major weak point. He gave in to the sins of the flesh. He did not control his passions, but he allowed his passions to control him. 
instead of experiencing the freedom of the sons and daughters of God, he became a slave. He became a slave. And when he was about 17 or 18, he actually took a concubine. He actually took a concubine. Number one, catechism class, a little child said that Solomon had a lot of porcupines. A concubine is not a porcupine. That's a good one, isn't it? But with this concubine, which remains anonymous, the name of this person in the confessions, Augustine had relations and God God bore Augustine and this woman actually a son. And the name that is given to this son was Edeodatus, which means gift of God. So Augustine, brilliant as he was, Augustine, brilliant as he was, became a slave to his passions. But Monica at the same time, Monica at the same time, remember Push. Remember Push, remember? Pray until something happens. Mana keeps praying and practicing penance and weeping and begging God for help. So, brilliant as he was, finishes his studies, and basically his... uh, His expertise is in teaching rhetoric or public speaking. So he goes, travels from Tagast, Africa, to the city of Rome, where he's teaching. And his mother follows him. In Rome, the students were pretty rowdy and undisciplined as he was as a young person. Very interesting. So Augustine decides to travel from the city of Rome north to the city of Milan where he becomes a professor of rhetoric. While there, There's an encounter with a very important person that will be instrumental in the conversion of St. Augustine. 
and that is one of the greatest bishops in the Catholic Church. You can see the influence of people in our lives, for good or for bad. The name of this bishop, his name is Ambrose. Bishop Ambrose. And Monica seeks out Bishop Ambrose for spiritual direction. She goes to him and the essence of her conversation is she talks about her son Augustine. By the way, her husband was converted as well as the gossipy mother-in-law. So, two of the members of her family, because of push, pray until something happens. Two of the family members were converted. Her husband was converted and died about a year afterward, and her mother-in-law too. Now she had to work on Augustine. So she goes to Bishop Ambrose, who is the Archbishop of Milan in the northern part of Italy. And in the course of the conversation, Monica is, whip, is whip, weeping profuse tears about Augustine. And then there's a classical response of Ambrose that you can find once again in the Confessions, which he says, a woman who's shed so much tears, this son will be converted. Another point of advice that was given to Monica by August by Ambrose is the following, and this can be good advice for many of us who are struggling with family members. Saint Ambrose said, "Look, don't talk to Augustine about God. Talk to God." about Augustine. You hear that? Very good advice. St. Ambrose says, do not talk to Augustine about God, horizontal, but rather talk to God about Augustine. Great advice. Isn't that great advice? And then finally, finally the day arrives. Augustine is in his early 30s now. And he's been battling to overcome the flesh. He would sometimes pray, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. That was one of his prayers. There he is, he's in a garden there in Milan, and he hears a voice which says, Take and read. 
take and read. And there's a, a book there, and it's the Bible. And he opens up Romans chapter 13, 13. St. Paul says, He says, Do not put on the flesh, but put on the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do not give in to drinking and bouts, but rather put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine, moved by that biblical passage, the day of conversion arrives. He's decided to say no to his slavery to the flesh. He goes to his mother and with tears of joy he says, I'm ready now. I'm ready now to become a Catholic Christian because he hasn't even been he hasn't even been baptized yet. I mean, mother... Mother Monica has been talking to him about Christianity so he knows the rudiments of Christianity, but he hasn't been baptized yet. So, what happens? Monica, with Augustine, with Augustine's son, Adeodatus, as well as with Augustine's, one of his best friends, whose name was Olypius, they go to Ambrose, a bishop. They go through the preparatory process. And Augustine, Augustine, the sinner that was a slave of his passions, Augustine, on that Easter, he's baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's baptized with his son. He's baptized with his best friend. And he's baptized by his spiritual mentor, St. Ambrose whose sermons Augustine was listening to and just felt the flow of God's grace by the preaching, but especially the holiness, the wisdom and the holiness of the great Saint Ambrose. So there's a triangle of saints there, Monica, Ambrose, and Augustine. I hope you like this story. It's a wonderful story, the story of the life of lives of three saints. I think these ideas that I've conveyed to you are very applicable to what's going on today. So remember, my friends, remember, my friends, push. Remember, push. Remember, push. Pray until something happens in honor of St. Monica and honor of St. Augustine. So see you tonight at our course on St. James. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you.
the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.